We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Happy Holidays, Houston. It's a Reaction Monday on Sports Radio 610. In for the drive with Sterner and Hughley, here's Adam Spillane. One hour to go on Sports Radio 610. Jacob Reiner is producing today. It was a fun week in the NFL. A lot of cold games, cold weather games. Let's go around the NFL. Let's start with the Thursday game. Jacksonville beating the Jets 19-3. Zach Wilson was really bad in the game, and it looks like Mike White will regain his spot as the Jets' starting quarterback. White was cleared by doctors after he had all, what was it, broken ribs or whatever, fractured ribs, whatever it was that held him out of the last two games. Um... So the Jets still with an outside chance of making the playoffs in the AFC. Uh, it looks like Mike White will be the quarterback for them this week. Jacksonville now in position to win the uh, AFC South. They would they would have been in position to win the AFC South even if they had lost the game thanks to the Texans beating the, ja- uh, the Titans on Saturday. But basically, it all comes down to Week 18 in the South. Whoever wins that game will win the AFC South, and they will make the playoffs. Let's go to Saturday's games. Buffalo 35, the Bears 13. The Bears were frisky in the first half, but, man, Buffalo just took over after halftime. They outscored the Bears 29-3, and that's what a championship-level football team should look like. Josh Allen was terrific in that game. I know the numbers weren't gaudy, but he made plays when he had to um, in the Bills' defense for some turnovers. The Bears were not good in this game, especially after the half. But uh, uh, Buffalo still controls its own destiny to secure the bye in the AFC. Bears at 3-12, and they're alive for that number one pick, which is important, obviously, for, with the Texans. And while the Bears wouldn't take a quarterback in all likelihood if they finish with the number one pick, they would be in position to trade that pick to a team that does need a quarterback. That's why it matters who finishes uh, with that top pick. Saints 17, Browns 10. Deshaun Watson, 15 of 31, 135 yards in an interception. Deshaun Watson is now over 100 pass attempts for the season. He is 40th in yard. There are 41 quarterbacks who have thrown 41 passes this season. Deshaun Watson is 40th in yards per attempt. He's right between Colt McCoy and Joe Flacco. He's 41st in passer rating and 39th in touchdown to interception rate. It has been an unmitigated disaster with Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. It's not like he doesn't have any weapons. They have receivers. They have Amari Cooper. They have tight ends. They have running backs. But it has not been good, and this will be a big offseason for him as the Browns were eliminated from playoff contention. But right now, it really feels like Deshaun Watson's going to get a lot of people in Cleveland fired. Not this year, but if they don't improve next year, Kevin Stefanski, Andrew Barry, I don't know if they can survive. But right now, the Deshaun Watson trade has been a disaster for Cleveland. And uh, if you're the Texans, you obviously you want the Browns to keep losing to increase the value of that first round pick. And the Browns, who everyone loved their future a couple of years ago, they won a playoff game. They almost won in Kansas City uh, to get to the ASC championship. It's not looking good over there. That's a, it's a weird spot that they're in uh, right now. 
Uh, Kansas City, uh, 24, Seattle, 10. The Seahawks have really fallen off the face of the earth since they lost that game to Tampa uh, in Germany. The Chiefs still in still in the mix for the top record in the the top seed in the AFC playoffs. They lose the tiebreaker to Buffalo, so they would need to win out and get some help. But it was an uneven game for Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes, 16 of 28, 224 yards and two touchdowns. They left some points on the field. Seattle left some points on the field. Uh, it just doesn't feel like Kansas City is quite clicking the way that you would want them to be clicking at this point of the year. And if I had to pick, I think that Buffalo would be pretty heavy favorites to win the AFC, not just because they are likely to have home field advantage throughout the playoffs, but it just doesn't feel like there's that challenger to them right now. Kansas City, you would say, would be the team. But what I saw from Kansas City in person here last week wasn't all that impressive. They struggled in that game. The Texans were really the more physical football team. And uh, I don't know how Kansas City would fare in some sort of a cold weather game. The good thing for them, they'll be at home in all likelihood for their first two playoff games. But uh, that that Bengals-Chiefs possible divisional game that's a terrific football game, and Cincinnati has handled Kansas City the last three times that they've played. Minnesota twenty-four, the New York Giants. Minnesota twenty-seven, excuse me, the New York Giants twenty-four. Somehow Minnesota just keeps squeaking out these games. Uh, they really never trailed in this one. Uh, the Giants had to come from behind to put themselves in position to get the game tied. Uh, but Greg Joseph kicks a sixty-one-yard field goal at the gun to win the game. Daniel Jones played well, 30 of 42, 334 yards and a touchdown. Um, the Giants are probably going to be in the playoffs. I don't know if they're really a threat to beat anyone, but it's just a really well-coached team. And you look at all the coaching hires that we make and that we've seen, uh, Brian Dayball has to be at the top of the list. That was a great hire by the Giants. Cincinnati 22, the Patriots 18. This game was not nearly as close as the, as the score would say. You can talk about how we fought and all that stuff, the Patriots can, but you fall down 22 to nothing at halftime at home. That's embarrassing, and that's what the Patriots did. They got themselves into the game. They had a chance to win the game at the end, but they should have never been down 22 to nothing to begin with. And you have to start asking some questions about Bill Belichick and the regime in New England. It has not gone well since Tom Brady left. They missed the playoffs in 2020. They got to the playoffs last year, but completely faded down the stretch and then were just blown out of their playoff game in Buffalo. It looks like they are on the verge of missing the playoffs again this year. And you look at that coaching staff with the Patriots. The whole Matt Patricia offensive coordinator thing hasn't worked. He's got his son as the defensive coordinator. That's not how you win. That's not that's not how successful organizations are run. And you wonder if you're Bob Kraft, do you demand changes made? Do you do you demand some changes and some a little bit more accountability out of that coaching staff? And maybe you have to go outside the family tree if you're going to put together a staff. Bill O'Brien has been mentioned as a possible replacement to Matt Patricia as the offensive coordinator. Obviously, Bill O'Brien has had success in New England before, but that whole situation it does not look great. This does not feel like that that thing is headed in the right direction. They misspent a lot of money in free agency a couple years ago. Not a whole lot that you can write home about about the uh, Patriots. And Mac Jones has taken like six steps back this year. It looked like Mac Jones had an opportunity to hold down that job for a long, long time. And it just is not there. Cincinnati, I'd be a little concerned over what I saw in the second half. They did not score after halftime. Uh, Evan McPherson struggled. He missed extra points. He missed field goals. 
Uh, but the Bengals just chugging along, and right now they control their own destiny to win the AFC North. Um, basically, the magic number is two because they lose the tiebreaker with Baltimore. So if they win this week and Baltimore loses to Pittsburgh, the Bengals win the division. But if uh, if those two teams are within a game of each other, then that, uh, then that final meeting between the Bengals and Ravens will be for the AFC North. Panthers 37, Lions 23, a really impressive performance by Carolina. They ran all over the Lions from start to finish. And Carolina in the mix to make the playoffs. They have a chance to win the division after their dreadful start that got Matt Rule fired. The Lions are still in the mix to make the playoffs. Hard to believe it, but those two teams right there, Lions at 7-8. and eight, The Panthers are at 6-9. and nine. Jared Goff put up good numbers, but he did not play well in that game. They scored a lot of points late. They scored uh, they were they scored 16 points in the second half after they were uh, down big at halftime. Baltimore 17, Atlanta 9. Somehow the Ravens are winning football games despite an offense that has really done nothing. They have, what, one touchdown over, I want to say, the last three games uh, with Tyler Huntley taking over for Lamar Jackson. We'll have to wait and see if Lamar Jackson plays this week against the Steelers. Uh, but the Ravens sitting at 10-5. and five, It looks like they will make the playoffs, but they need Lamar Jackson. Otherwise, they're not doing anything in the postseason. Uh, Tyler Huntley cannot get them moving. Their skill players are probably the worst in the entire NFL. They have no receivers. Uh, Mark Andrews was frustrated with Huntley at certain points in that game on Saturday. Uh, the defense for the Ravens has really stepped up after they cost them multiple games early in the year. They've been better since, but the Ravens defense is going to have to make plays to really help manufacture some offense, give them some short fields. Um, they got to play the field position game, and Justin Tucker has to be perfect for them. Uh, but right now, it just doesn't seem like the uh, Ravens have a whole lot unless they can get Lamar Jackson back. 49ers 37, Commanders 20. They don't ask a whole lot of Brock Purdy, but he makes plays when he needs to. Purdy, 15 of 22, 234 yards. George Kittle has come alive towards the end of the year, and the Niners get a big win over the Commanders. Commanders still in the playoff mix in the NFC uh, despite losing two in a row. Be interesting to see who the quarterback is for Washington moving forward. It was Carson Wentz at the end of that game on Saturday after Taylor Heineke has really started to struggle. He's been turning the football over. Turnovers really cost them that game against the Giants a couple weeks ago. Heineke, again, was not good on Saturday, and he was benched late in that game. Uh, Cowboys 40, Eagles 34. This was just a tremendous football game. Uh, I don't know how the Eagles did not, not, you know, I can kind of see how the Eagles didn't win that game. Somehow they did not cover the four-point line. They led the game 10-0. They got a defensive touchdown early. Uh, Gardner Minshew played well at times. He was a little erratic at times as well. And really the turnovers are what are killing the Eagles, I think they have, what, four turnovers in each of their losses this season. So they're 13-2, and two, still in prime position to finish with the best record in the NFC. But the one thing that you saw about the Eagles, they got a lot of talent on that team, especially the skill guys. Uh, Miles Sanders had a big fumble in that game, but he's had a good year. He ran for, uh, he was okay in the game, I should say. Really good offensive line, though. They need Lane Johnson back for the postseason if they want to make any sort of damage or they want to make any sort of a run. But those two receivers, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and then they got Dallas Goddard back for that game. He looked really good. That's important. And the Cowboys are a good football team. Cowboys 11-4 now on the season. 
They'll be in the playoffs. And C.D. Lamb was just a monster in the first half of that game. 10 catches, 120 yards, two touchdowns. Dak Prescott has played well. He had the pick six. That wasn't his fault. That was more on the deflection. But both these teams, the defenses might be Achilles heels. And the Dallas secondary has really struggled. It's just a matter of, is there a team in the NFC that can put pressure on that defense? And the way things set up now, the Cowboys will play whoever wins the NFC South um, in the wild card game. But then, depending on what happens in the other matchups, because you reseed, but you could have an Eagles-Cowboys matchup in the divisional round, and it feels like those are the two best teams in the NFC. I, I know the Niners are playing really well, but it does feel like with Purdy, and we'll see what happens with Debo Samuel, but it does feel like there's a ceiling for that team. I don't know if you had the same ceiling for both the Cowboys and the Eagles. Those two teams look really good. This That might have been the game of the year last um, on Saturday between those two teams. Uh, Steelers 13, Raiders 10. Somehow the Steelers are still alive in the playoff race. Uh, They did nothing offensively for almost that entire game, but uh, Kenny Pickett made some plays late. Najee Harris, they they, they try to establish the run. That's not really working. Pat Fryermuth played really well uh, for Pittsburgh, and they've got some good receivers. It's just a matter of can they get them the ball. The Pickens kid is really good. Uh, He made some big plays in that game. So it's an interesting one moving forward. I don't think the Steelers aren't a playoff team this year. I know they still have a chance. I don't see it this year. But if they can get another year with Pickett, add some help along that offensive line, that's a team that could be really good uh, moving forward. The Raiders, just a throw. What an awful year for them in the first year of Josh McDaniels. Uh, Packers 26, Dolphins 20. What a just a disaster for Miami in the second half. They scored 20 points in the first half. They were shut out in the second half. Uh, Tua Tungavailoa was awful in the second half. I think, what, he had three interceptions after halftime. Aaron Rodgers was not very good, but they did just enough. Uh, the Packers defense did uh, in order to get a win, and they're still alive in the NFC. And the problem with Miami, they'll get you big plays. And you saw it last uh, yesterday. Jalen Waddle had the long touchdown catch early in the game, but can they be consistent offensively? And right now, they have not been that under Tua, and it looks like they'll have to go on the road uh, in the postseason, and I can't remember the last time the Dolphins won a playoff game on the road. I think Dan Marino was the quarterback when that happened. They won in Seattle back in 1999. That's the last time the Dolphins have won a playoff game on the road, and frankly, the Dolphins haven't won many playoff games since Dan Marino retired. It might just be the one. I think they beat um, they beat the Colts at home the year after Marino retired. That's how long it's been since the Dolphins have done anything in the postseason. Uh, Rams 51, Broncos 14, the final nail in the coffin for Nathaniel Hackett. Just a just a disaster all around. Uh, but nice game for Baker Mayfield, who's having a nice little uh, resurgence as a quarterback in the NFL, and it shows you how good of a coach Sean McVay is. And then last night, Tampa Bay 19, the Cardinals 16. J.J. Watt looked really good for a lot of that game, and he dominated that game for a lot of it. So good to see him play well. He's a free agent at the end of the year, and Teams will still want him. You gotta, you know, you gotta put him on a bit of a snap count, and he's not the same type of player. But if you manage him the right way, he can be an impactful player for you, especially late in the year. That's around the NFL here on Sports Radio 610. When we come back, the Texans, we'll see what happens with Lovey Smith. He, there could be a job opening if the Texans decide to move on from Lovey Smith after year one. To me, it could be an appealing job. I'll tell you why next on Houston Sports Leader Sports Radio. Happy Holidays, Houston. It's a Reaction Monday on Sports Radio 610. In for the drive with Sterner and Hughley, here's Adam Spillane. 
We got about, what, 35 minutes to go here on Sports Radio 610. Jacob Reiner is producing. Hope you are having a great Monday. Hope you had a great holiday. A little bit of breaking news from the NFL. Just was talking about how Tua Tungabailoa was terrible in the second half of the Dolphins' loss to the Packers yesterday. Well, the Dolphins just announced that Tua has been placed in concussion protocol. And the I guess the speculation is that, first of all, what it's the third time, I think, that he's been in concussion protocol this season. That's troubling. And again, it's the it looks like he got a he he uh his head hit the hit the turf, or I guess the grass in Miami in the second quarter of that of that game. And I guess he did not show symptoms at any point uh before the end of the game. I guess he didn't show symptoms until today. Um but it was the second quarter right before the two minute warning where uh he took I mean his head bounced off the turf and that might have been what it you know what caused it but again that's a little troubling that this is now the second time this season that Tua you would think had some sort of a concussion and continued to play in the game and so I head injuries are complicated I I don't really know the right way to, to solve it but it's not great for the NFL protocol that this is now twice that a player has seemingly been concussed or been and he has continued to play in the game now clearly he wasn't showing symptoms during the game, but again, I'm oh, it's just something. Uh, it's not great, and, and again, this is big, just because the Dolphins have not clinched a playoff spot in the AFC. They play New England this week, and then they close out the year against the Jets. So those, those are two teams that are also in the mix to make the playoffs, and the Dolphins have not been good when Tua did not play, and so we'll have to wait and see. I mean, it's only Monday, so there's a chance. That Tua could play Sunday, but if this is possibly the second or third time, they've been a little, you know, they have not exactly been forthcoming over uh, that injury from the Buffalo game back in September. But if, if this is, even if it's the second time that he's in concussion protocol, it's uh, it's a little worrying for him moving forward. Uh, so we'll see what happens with them. I mean, there are times where that Dolphins offense looks absolutely unstoppable, and there were times on Saturday where it looked unstoppable. And then there are times when, you know, Tua might have had a concussion where it does not look good and they have not been good when he wasn't on the field. And let's see, Teddy Bridgewater was the backup quarterback for them at the start of the year. He got hurt. And so it was Skylar Thompson, the rookie out of Kansas State, who was having to start a couple of games uh, for the Dolphins earlier in the year. Uh, But it is but it is Teddy Bridgewater who is now healthy and it looks like. Uh, according to media out in Miami, it will be Teddy Bridgewater who at least gets the uh, the majority of the reps at practice on Wednesday. So again, Tua still has time to get back, but it would seem possible that Teddy Bridgewater is the starting quarterback for the Dolphins at least on Sunday, and we'll have to see how much longer moving forward because it's a little scary with what's happened with Tua all this season where there was a thing against Buffalo, there was a thing in the uh, game against the Dolphins the next week where he came back, and now you have this one uh, today, so... Keep an eye on that with the Dolphins. I was watching last night the Arizona-Tampa Bay game, and not a great football game, but the Bucks wound up winning the game. They, they came from 16-6 to six down. Tom Brady leads them back. They get the win in overtime, and so now they control their own destiny still to win the NFC South. But the team that I was more interested in was Arizona. The Cardinals look like they are going to move on 
from Cliff Kingsbury after the season. And Kingsbury might just resign. That's how bad it's gotten for them. But at one point during the game, Melissa Stark, the sideline reporter for NBC, gives an update on Kyler Murray, who tore his ACL a couple of weeks ago against the Patriots. And Murray will have surgery on his ACL. He'll have reconstructive surgery on his ACL next week. And the recovery time for that is nine months. So that's not, so he's not ready until October. And then once he does come back, he's not Kyler Murray right away. It takes some time to get back to where you were. And so it would feel like next year for Arizona is a complete throwaway. They're probably going to lose JJ Watt. And you can argue that he has been maybe not the most impactful player on that defense, but one of them. So he's gone. DeAndre Hopkins is getting older. That offensive line has been banged up all season. That looks like a pretty hopeless situation, at least for next year. And that's why it feels like if they do move on from Cliff Kingsbury, that's not a job that I would want. I know it's an NFL head coach job and there's only 32 of them, but that's not a job I'm looking to take. And that's why when you go through the list, the Texans job is actually pretty appealing if they do decide to move on from Lovey Smith. Now, the big question mark I would have if I'm a, a coach in the mix for the job is, well, you fired the last two guys after one year. Why wouldn't you do it here? But if you get a five-year contract that's fully guaranteed, well, then that that would uh, I, I would feel a little bit better about taking the job because at least if I get fired after one year, I'm going to get paid. I'm going to get the money, and that matters probably just as much for a lot of these guys. But you look at what the Texans would have to offer. You have young talent. I mean, there's some. You have that 2021, the 2022 draft class, which I think for the most part, it hasn't gone, it hasn't been perfect, but it's been okay. You've liked, I think, what you've seen from everyone except for probably King and Green, who just has had a rough go of it. And uh, I think that's a little concerning that as an offensive lineman, he hasn't, uh, he, he has not played at any sort of a high level that you would expect out of a first round pick. But when he was healthy, Derek Singley Jr. was good. Um, We'll have to see what happens with John Mechie. Hopefully he gets healthy, but Jalen Petrie looked terrific. And he has, you know, he he's dealt with peaks and valleys throughout the season, but he's finishing the season on a strong note. Christian Harris has played well now that he's healthy. Damian Pierce was really good before he got hurt. So for me, that's kind of the selling point of, of what you have to offer with the Texans is that you do have some young talent that you can build around. You have another draft class that's upcoming. They, they may wind up with the number one pick in the draft. They might, they may wind up with another top 10 pick, depending on where Cleveland winds up. They may wind up with, uh, if they do finish with the number one pick in the draft, that also means they get the 32nd pick in the draft because you get the first pick of the second round. The first round is only 31 picks this year because Miami loses its pick. So again, that's another reason that you would want to take the job because you have the opportunity to add three really good young pieces just at the top of the draft. And then the Texans will be loaded with cap space. One of the positives to completely whiffing on multiple drafts in a row and not having picks at all in the first round for multiple years is that you don't have to sign anyone. So your cap sheet is pretty clean. And Nick Casario did a good job of cleaning up the Bill O'Brien mess. And I know the Texans had a lot of dead cap space this year. A lot of that was cleaning up Bill O'Brien's mistakes, but they don't really have any dead cap space for next year. So you're looking at over $50 million in cap space next year, which is right now, I think I think it's top three among teams with cap space, and they have ways that they can create more. 
So that makes the job relatively appealing. And we'll go through it in the next segment, but the other teams that are going to have openings or that could have openings, at least the ones that you would expect right now, I mentioned Arizona, and then you have the three teams that have already fired their coaches this season. Those are not appealing jobs. They just aren't. Uh, just If I were to pick, I would much rather have uh, the Texans job just because clean cap sheet, high first-round pick, and some young talent that's already on the roster, and the expectations are low. No one's expecting a lot in year one. You're basically starting from scratch. It, this what, what Nick Casario has done, it hasn't quite been an expansion team, but it's somewhat similar to it. That's how little talent there was on the roster when Casario took the job two, almost two years ago. And again, that's a lot. That's due to the mismanagement of Bill O'Brien, Jack Easterby, and the guys that came before him. And so you're sitting in a pretty good position. That's why you know Jeff Luno walked into a really good situation with the Astros more than a decade ago because there were no expectations. The roster was so poorly was uh, so badly mismanaged that you were essentially starting from scratch. There was a little bit more talent in the organization at the time than we realized back then, but you were basically an expansion team back then, and that's kind of what Nick Casario inherited, and now you've got a couple of years that, that they've been able to start this rebuild. Has it gone perfectly? No. But next year has an opportunity for them to really take a step forward. Again, you're going to add three high picks in the draft. You're going to be able to actually sign guys in free agency. The, the Texans have been players somewhat in free agency, but they've kind of gone the cheap veteran route. Now they have a chance to really take some big swings at guys in free agency, which is not something that they have done a whole lot of in the past. And the other appealing aspect of the Texans job, you have an owner who, you know, you can say a lot of negative things about Cal McNair, but he at least stays out of the way and he lets you do your job. He just doesn't always listen to the right people. So I think there are aspects of this Texans job that are somewhat appealing. And I'll explain why, I don't think some of the other jobs out there are appealing and why I would take the Texans job over those. That's next on Sports Radio 610. Final segment here on Sports Radio 610. Adam Spillane in for Ron or in for Ron and Clint. I'll be in here with Ron tomorrow. Jacob Reiner in for Tyler. Glad you could be with us. Hope you've had a great holiday so far. Talking in the last segment, I, I don't know what the Texans will do with Lovey Smith. It kind of feels like they'll head in a different direction. I kind of feel like it's 50-50. I thought it was 50-50 with David Cully at this time last year. Honestly, I would have just kept Cully. It makes it a whole lot easier to fire a head coach again this year uh, if you haven't fired him the year before. But then you can go get your guy in there. And the Texans are will be in a different phase of their rebuild next season. They will have a... a, a they will probably be able to draft their quarterback moving forward whether it's Bryce Young at number one or C.J. Stroud after that, someone like that, they'll be able to, that wasn't an option last year. There was no quarterback in the draft that you felt like you were going to build around, especially if you were picking in the top five, which the Texans were. So basically, the, everything changes once you get through this season. That's why, for me, I would make a change at the head coach, at the head coach spot. But that's just me. 
And I think that it's an appealing job for whoever is out there just because of the picks that they have. You have a chance to draft your quarterback. You have a chance to build with that quarterback, and it means that you have a quarterback on a rookie contract for the next four years or five years, depending on how long that goes. You have a lot of cap space, and you're basically starting from scratch with this team. And you look at the other jobs that are out there. We have three teams who have already fired their head coach and then another in Arizona who likely will. Talked about Arizona. That's not a good situation right now. You have all this money invested in Kyler Murray, and he's probably not playing next year, or at least not the start of next year, which makes next year a bit of a throwaway because he won't be himself when he does return from the torn ACL. So you look at the three teams who have fired their head coach. You have the Broncos, who fired Nathaniel Hackett earlier today. You have the Russell Wilson just albatross around your neck. They don't have their own first-round pick last year because of Russell Wilson. And it's not a great cap situation, though they did trade Bradley Chubb to get back some of the picks. You know, They got back one pick for Bradley Chubb. That helps with the cap a little bit. But that's not an appealing job right now. That, that job was much more appealing this time last year. And you have very lofty expectations in Denver because of Russell Wilson. Now, if you think that you can fix Russell Wilson, go on ahead. But that doesn't look like a salvageable situation. He has just looked so bad the entire year. You have the Colts. That's a weird roster. You have some really high-paid vets on that team who have underperformed, whether they have not been able to stay on the field because of health or they just haven't been very good when they have been on the field. They have some cap space over there, but right now their quarterback situation is as odd as it gets and it doesn't look like they want Matt Ryan moving forward and it doesn't look like they'll be in a position to draft a quarterback without having to give up something to do so. They could move up. They could still, they might, they, have, they think they still have an outside shot of finishing with the top pick in the draft, but that's unlikely. And then the other part of Indianapolis, you got a wacky owner. And I think that's the best way to describe Jim Irsay. I'm not saying he's a bad person at all, but Jim Irsay at times likes to take complete control of the organization. And you saw that this season where he's he wants the offensive coordinator fired during the year. He's making Frank Reich play Sam Ellinger at quarterback. Then he fires Frank Reich and he hires Jeff Saturday from a TV studio. That's not what I'm looking for if I'm an NFL head coach. I don't want that. Unless it's a, unless it's just a great situation, which I don't think that is. That was a better situation when they had Andrew Luck. They don't have Andrew Luck anymore. So if I had to pick between the Texans job or the Colts job, I would take the Texans job. Then you have Carolina. And it feels like Steve Wilkes has done enough to keep that job on a full-time basis. He has them in the playoff mix. And he runs that defense. That's a good defense. And he got he really got screwed over in Arizona when he took over for Bruce Arians because that team was already on the downswing. He takes over. They have a bad year, which they expected to have a bad year. They finished with the worst record in the league, and they jettisoned him for Cliff Kingsbury, which was a huge mistake because Kingsbury's been... Disaster is a strong word, but Kingsbury has not been good as an NFL head coach, and he wasn't good as a college head coach either. Who could have seen that coming? 
Who could have seen the guy who struggled in the Big 12 to struggle in the NFL? Shocking. But you look at the Panthers, no cap space. They will have a low pick in the first round. Now, if they win the if they win the NFC South, which they could, all they have to do is win their last two games. They beat Tampa Bay on Sunday. All they have to do is win in New Orleans, and they're a, they're NFC South champions. That means they have the twenty first pick in the draft. If they don't make the playoffs, the pick is a little bit higher. But again, it's not high enough for them to go take a quarterback unless they move up. So that's not a real appealing job. And you've seen Carolina just bounce around from quarterback to quarterback since David Tepper bought the team a few years ago. First, it was Teddy Bridgewater. Then it was Sam Darnold. Then it was Baker Mayfield. Now it's Sam Darnold again. Maybe they trust. Maybe they still believe in Sam Darnold. I don't know. I don't know. They might, they might stay in that direction just because of they've had some success with it. But it's not a great job for me. If I were picking the blank slate of the Texans or the Panthers, I would probably pick the Texans. There could be other jobs that open up. We'll see about the Cowboys and Mike McCarthy. We'll see about the Chargers and Brandon Saley. I would rather have the Chargers job than the Texans job. I'll go ahead and say that right now. Chargers job is a great job. You have a star quarterback already lined up, and he's still, in his, he's still on his rookie deal. Cowboys have a lot of talent. That seems like a Sean Payton landing spot, which, by the way, Sean Payton might not be the worst idea for the Texans. Now, it would be interesting how he would coexist with Nick Casario. Maybe they wouldn't be able to coexist, so maybe that ends it right now. But if the Saints come to you and say, hey, we want a first-round pick for Sean Payton, if I'm the Texans, I don't outright refuse that. Now, I'm not giving them the number one pick in the draft. I'm not even giving them Cleveland's first-round pick this year, but if I can push that off into the future or if I can get the Saints to take the 32nd pick in this year's draft, the Texans' second-round pick, I would do that. Because as we've seen in the past, giving up an asset for a coach usually works out. It's happened five times in the last 25, 26 years, and four of those have worked out great. The one time it didn't work out was with Herman Edwards, in 2006, and all the Chiefs gave up was a fourth-round pick to get him. But the Bucks gave up two first-round picks and a second-round pick to get John Gruden from the Raiders. They won the Super Bowl the next year. The Jets gave up a pretty decent haul to get Bill Parcells from the Patriots in 1997. They gave up a third- and fourth-round pick, a second-round pick, and then another first-rounder, plus $300,000. And I think the Jets would tell you they would do that again because the Jets went from a complete laughingstock to where... Uh, they finished with the league's worst record in 95 and 96. In 97, they almost made the playoffs. In 98, they almost made the Super Bowl. And it put them in the right direction moving forward to where they were in the playoffs most years for, what, a six or seven year stretch. You weren't used to seeing that out of the Jets. They would do that again. The Seattle Seahawks were not good when they hired Mike Holmgren after the 1998 season. They had gone a long time without making the playoffs They gave up a second-round pick to get Mike Holmgren. They were in the playoffs the very next year. They were in the Super Bowl not long after that. It completely changed the culture of the organization. All that took was a second-round pick. That's worth it. And then the best example is Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick cost the Patriots the 18th pick of the 2000 draft. That was it. And this was Bill Belichick, who did not exactly have a sterling record as an NFL head coach. He lasted in Cleveland for, what, five years? He won one playoff game. 
and yet the Patriots were willing to give up a first-round pick for the guy, and I'd say it worked out pretty well. They've won six Super Bowls. So the first-round pick is nice, but if you have a chance to get a game-changing head coach, it's worth it. And again, I don't know if Sean Payton would be interested in the Texans. I don't know if the Texans would be interested in Sean Payton. I don't know how that whole dynamic would work with Nick Casario. But if it's a, if it's a possibility, you got to explore it. And if all it's going to cost you is a first-round pick, go ahead and do it. Sean Payton has showed you that he's one of the best head coaches in the NFL. Won a Super Bowl. Those teams were good for the most part. His entire tenure, that was a long tenure too, in New Orleans. Took over in 2006, that's what, 15, 16 years as the head coach. He got suspended for the one year. Those last four years, and remember, he's doing this with Drew Brees towards the end. Drew Brees was old, and he looked old, and he played old. But they still were able to scratch out a bunch of wins and probably should have gone to at least one more Super Bowl had they gotten a call in that game against the Rams. They get what was an obvious pass interference call, and they're in that Super Bowl. They have a chance to win it. Didn't happen. That's how close it was. But that's how good of a head coach that he is. So if you're the Texans, he's probably the best guy out there. He's probably the best guy that you could get right now. And again, this is all if they fire Lovey Smith, which I don't know if they're going to do. We'll have to wait and see. Now, let's go over to the Rockets because they play tonight. Rockets in Chicago, first of a back-to-back. They play in Boston tomorrow night, and they go to Dallas, and the Rockets have lost five in a row after what was a pretty good stretch of basketball, but it hasn't been as good recently. Again, they're a bad basketball team, but you have a report saying that James Harden would be interested, might be interested in a return. If you're the Rockets, that's another thing that you should probably look into doing. Completely changes your organization. Completely. He... He's the best player that you would have if they were to bring him back. And I know the divorce was ugly, but no bridges were burned. The Rockets traded him to a destination that he wanted to go to. And he would help that young group. He would help them on the floor. He would help them off the floor. He would help them win basketball games. And he already has relationships with a lot of these guys. He knows Josh Christopher from Arizona State. Josh Christopher actually asked permission from Harden to wear his number while he played at Arizona State. He's been a mentor to Kevin Porter Jr. He speaks often with Jalen Green. And he was in Houston over this offseason playing pickup with these guys. Jabari Smith Jr. was part of that mix also. They're playing pickup at Toyota Center. So there's a relationship there. Cares about the city, cares about the organization. And they need to be good next year. Because their drafts are basically controlled by Oklahoma City starting in 2024. 2024, 2025, 2026, Oklahoma City controls their drafts unless they fall into the top four. So Rockets in Chicago tonight looking to end a five-game losing skid. Boston tomorrow. They are back here over the weekend on New Year's Eve. It's Dallas on Saturday, or excuse me, Dallas on Thursday. Then they host the Knicks here on Thursday. By, be, uh, also, be sure to check out the H-Town Hoops podcast with myself and Brandon Scott. We'll have a new episode for you 
on Wednesday. That'll do it for me today. We have the Texans Coaches Show coming up. I'll be in with Ron the Show Hughley tomorrow from 2 to 6. I am Adam Spillane saying thank you for listening. Jacob Reiner, thank you for producing. Have a great rest of your Monday. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.